Which is funny because from my perspective, it completely was completely off. But I guess the point is oh. <laughs> this is how you account for lack. You edit it. Right. I guess um, from my well, like when I was watching you, it it was lined up really perfectly. That was a really good one on my end. Shit. But wait, Sydney, what night is it? What night is it? The mo- the moon, Sydney. What 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 phase is the moon? Um, oh it's probably in the last quarter. No, no, not again. No, Sid- Sydney, you gotta get. It's a, it's a podcast by night, Sydney. I we're, hated we're that, that, Carter. I absolutely hated that one. I, I hated every step of the it's, way. It's, 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 Sydney, I'm getting really close to the mic. It's a, uh, <clears throat> it's a podcast by night. Yeah. In case that was lost on you. No, 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 no. No, no, I got you. I got you. I just disliked it. <laughs> okay. I disliked it. I disliked it. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I disliked right. it. You want to know why I disliked right. oh, it? Oh, really? You're going to tell me why. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. Um, Because it was gross. I don't know how you made those sounds. But it was, like, awful ASMR. And um, it was weird and phlegmy, and I wasn't sure. And then, but I will admit, that was that was a pretty solid howl, I will say. I may or may not have been rehearsing it. Yeah, well, we all know that you were. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Like, we figured out our October schedule before October even started. Like, we had, like, a five-episode, well, four, and then we were deciding a wildcard one. Like, right. we basically had it lined up in advance, and pretty quickly that one came into view. So I've been warming up. I've been threatening <laughs> Sydney with this. <laughs> Welcome to the Disney desk. I'm uh, Car Wolf. And Awoo. Yeah. And I am uh, Sydney, I suppose. All right. Uh, Fair enough. And (laughs) welcome to our Halloween edition of Marvel Minute. Marvel Minute. I really forgot that we came up with names for these segments, but so glad that we did. Right. Well, I will say getting new music for this Halloween season really has inspired me. Like, I definitely want to get music for all the different segments to give them a little more, like, flavor and distinguish them. That's a good idea. Um, Yeah. Yes, and we were really excited that Marvel graced us with something perfect for this Halloween season. Yeah, tonight we are discussing Werewolf by Night, the new... Halloween special, I guess we can call it, from Marvel yes. Studios on Disney+. Plus. Yes, they Marvel has created a brand new branding for this. It is a Marvel Studios special presentation. It is a, about an hour long, like, short film, for lack of a better word. I right. would say it falls in that Disney Plus series category of being well above a TV budget, but just below a movie budget. I would agree. Yeah, it... it um, it was really reminding me of like Moon Knight in in like production feel. Yes, yes. Um, it was directed by Michael Giacchino. He is this is actually his directorial debut. He is oh, mainly yeah. known for his yeah. He is mainly known for his composing. Um, he's done a metric ton of stuff, including but not limited to uh, Ratatouille, Up, The Batman. 
uh, well, this movie, obviously, mm-hmm. The Incredibles, which is probably what he's most known for. Wow. Um, and then he's kind of been rolling with Marvel for a while now. Um, wow. And apparently he just mentioned to Kevin Feige, uh, I think it would be cool if we did a Werewolf by Night product. And Feige just said, hey, we'll write it. Do you want to direct it? Okay, wait, you're going to have to cue me in on this because um, I am unaware of the like comic origins of this franchise. I'm going to be honest, I'm not the hugest Werewolf by Night person. Like, I'm familiar with the character. Like, I know who the character is, mm. but I don't read a lot of his comics. And basically his origin is, like, in the 50s... Are you familiar with the Comics Code Authority? I am. It's that little, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, you definitely know that. You honestly read more comics than me at this point. I think I do, Um, (laughs) yeah. By a lot, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, one of their weird hang-ups, like a lot of these Puritan-esque, like, uh, oh, think of the children codes and conducts. Um, One of their weird things was a very big anti-movement against the supernatural, and one of those things was you couldn't have werewolves. Just just no werewolves. Oh, wow. Um, yep. Why? <laughs> because, again, it's like the same reason, like, what is so threatening about rock and roll? It's like weird, no occult stuff, no weird stuff, no lurid so stuff. So this is the comics version of disco sex? Yeah. Okay. More or less, yes. It's the same thing as the Hayes Code in Hollywood, where uh-huh. you weren't allowed, where it limited, it crippled the things you could do. Right. And... When the Comics Code finally started to fade away a little bit, um, they Marvel was just like, werewolf, we can do a werewolf now. Stan, get to work on a werewolf thing. And mm. the great Stan Lee, God rest his soul, presumably uh, face down in a mountain of coke, uh, right. gets up and says, werewolf by night. He's a werewolf and it's at night. And, and his name is Jack Russell. And someone was like, are you serious? Um. <laughs> Yes, it, it's the most Stanley name. It is. It, it definitely is the most Stanley name where you're like, he was probably so proud of this. No, you just know he came up with that like years before and was just sitting yeah, on it. He, right? <laughs> like, that's just his, it's like, again, I, like any name that modern Marvel movies would make fun of, it would probably be one of Stanley's best Names. ideas right <laughs> like like the dr otto octavius joke again and it's like all right your name's peter part like it's all alliteration here sir right um, yeah anywho yeah and he kind of just hovered around he very much is one of those characters where you like he doesn't have that many interesting stories but he's just good to have around when you want to do something specific he's yeah. a tool like if you want to do a story with a werewolf you conveniently go oh right we have a werewolf character there here you go. we go yeah um it's the same thing with, like, Morbius, where it's like, does anyone actually like Morbius? Eh. No, but you might need a vampire dude. Yeah, when you want to have a vampire dude who's, like, an anti-hero and not just a straight-up villain, it's like, oh, we have one of those sitting around. Right. Honestly, at this point, he J- Jack Russell is probably most famous for being the origin of Moon Knight. Moon Knight first appeared in Werewolf by Night comics as an antagonist because the idea is like, oh, oh, Moon is silver. He has silver weapons and that weakens the werewolf. Wow. And then, of course, I didn't Moon Knight kind of becomes his own thing. Yes, issue 32, I, uh, according to Wikipedia. Which I is, did not know that. That's interesting. 
Right? It is a weird little interesting tidbit. And yeah, he kind of just, Werewolf by Night kind of just hovers around the supernatural side of the Marvel mm. Universe. How um, interesting. Yes. And for a se- like, and this project has been talked about for a while. I believe Marvel at some point mentioned they were working on a Halloween special. They had already announced a Christmas special. The Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special basically was announced right around when Guardians 3 finally got James Gunn back. Mm. Um, But they also mentioned, oh, we're working on a Halloween thing. And a lot of scoopsters have said, oh, it's a werewolf by night thing. Maybe some other people will show up. Right. And delightfully, they announced it not too long ago. Right, yeah. Or uh, Disney Plus Day. And now we got it within a month. Yeah, there was a really quick turnaround there. And I'm going to be honest, it is one of my favorite things Marvel's done in years, if not ever. Yeah, I have to say, I was like, whatever this was, I want all of Marvel's things to feel exactly like this. (laughs) Yeah, this is the... And I, like, I hate to play the game of, like, this is what Marvel haters, if you don't like Marvel, you'll be into this, because that yeah. just plays into a game I don't really feel like playing, but... You know, it's so it interesting really you is. say that, because I feel like this, like, perfectly executes everything that Marvel, that makes Marvel Marvel, in terms of the MCU. Weirdly, yes, but simultaneously, yes and no, because it's so, like... I feel like it captures what's good about Marvel in a right. number of ways, but also does better what it struggles in. And th- I feel like mm. as we talk about it, it'll be easier to explain. Right. Um, real quick, just to kind of explain the premise. Okay, so it opens pretty much media in media's res. Um, they do a quick narration explaining like, oh, there's this underground world in the MCU. You know, there's monsters and there's monster hunters. Uh, what is the word they use? Death dealer. Right, which yeah. Which we're like... Like, that's Rad. the kind of energy you need in a werewolf by yeah. night thing. It's metal as hell. Right. Like, yeah, that this is a profession. Um, yeah, these are professionals. Yes, yes. and um, so the d- idea is Ulysses Bloodstone, keeper of this bloodstone, which is a cool red magic rock, um, has died. So now all these hunters are coming together to basically prove they're the one who deserves to inherit it. The idea is it's basically... I guess it's kind of the Hunger Games. It, it's like, here's it a maze, here's some weapons. Fight to the death. Kill each other, but also kill a monster. Right. It's Hunger Games if there was, like, an actual goal you had to achieve. Right, yeah. Um. Okay, like, you know, I mean, we need to immediately get into what is great about... Well, I was just going to say really quick, um, can we just say spoilers from here on out? I feel oh, yeah. like we've, like, given our cue, like, we love this, we think it's great. Yeah, and uh, you're going to love it, too. Watch it as soon as possible, right. and then come back and listen to the rest of this. Exactly, because we're just about to go hammy-slammy. Um, Indeed. Okay, wait, so <laughs> Marvel opens with its classic Marvel intro with all of the Avengers, and mm. they deliver truly the most, like, delicious you know the the thing that disney studios has been doing with the cinderella castle yes and Where they like, always change it yeah transforming it into the world of of whatever the film yes. is and they do that so beautifully i meant to mention that for hocus pocus yeah hocus pocus is the first time i've seen the new hundred and hundredth anniversary logo. oh right and it's wild that the first time i've seen that is also that when they do a bit where they like change the music and like it gets all spooky. Well, they've been doing that with every single film. Like, have you have I you mean, noticed? They have, but it's weird that it's like, oh, the hundredth anniversary, a pristine like oh, right. marker in Disney history. 
but then, now it's a haunted house <laughs> right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's in a minor key yeah um <laughs> marvel does this but something about it is like so delicious because like marvel really hasn't done this before like sometimes the russo brothers mess with it occasionally yeah, yeah. like like in terms of they just like play some other music over it but yeah. like like infinity yeah it's usually just music you're right right but um it just like something just like changes as a, as an audience member watching this <laughs> watching I'm a sucker for any logo change yeah and it's just like it just goes black and white and um first of all like when you were describing this narration in the beginning I was re- when I rewatched it today I was like oh this has like that vinyl sound like they yes. really padded this out and it feels like film noir. Like they really did a good yes. job of establishing from the jump that film noir essence of like silence. Like because that like the golden age of, of film like is weirdly silent. Like there's no music. Like it's just sort of like dead air and dialogue. And this film does that really beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is true. I like I was gonna say this is Especially for a first-time director, this is an incredible balancing act of genres and aesthetics. Because like you said, we start with the traditional Marvel logo, werewolf claws go through it, it turns black and white, the sound of like a projector is heard in the background, and mm-hmm. already it's like telling you the rules of what you're about to witness. Right. And then we have this like grainy narration. And just, there are a handful of shots throughout the movie that really underline like that we are very much in Universal Monsters territory. Right. Like, the first shot of Bloodstone Manor looks like an old-school Hollywood shot where you just, like, yeah. zoom out on, like, a little model. Mm-hmm. Or, like... And I, like, I as someone who's, like, a geek about, like, color grading and aesthetic, mm. like, what I appreciate is, while on one hand, it is, like... There's a lot of shots where you're like, oh, this is more a modern Marvel action scene. And, like, you right. know, they don't overdo it with the film grain and stuff. Like, it, it's, it's still, like, you feel the digital camera at times. Like, the color, like, even something as simple as, like, the way faces are lit. Yeah. Or the way light reflects off certain surfaces. Right. Just is perfectly tinted to, like, a 40s monster movie color. Right. And it works so well because it's, like, I, it took me watching it a second time today to realize that, like... If this were just in color, it would be very modern. They made no attempt to, like, change anything like light fixtures or, like, the environment is quite modern. The costuming is quite modern. The makeup, the hair is quite modern. But it's lit and, like, graded so perfectly that it, it feels like film noir. Yes. And also, like, a lot of times, even just the dialogue, the way people are talking to each other. Yeah. Like... It is amazing that, yeah, you can take modern stuff. And also there's, while most of it is practical, there are moments of CGI. Like there are moments of obvious CGI. But just because you've committed so well to palette and color and pace, especially pace, Mm -hmm. I was rewatching it. It really struck me. Like we don't get to any meaningful action, like action action until like 15 minutes in. And that's mostly just them walking around with tension. Right. Like the way that silence is allowed to hang as you described it. Like, the way we have scenes just driven by people talking in some, uh, like, somewhat monologue-y, yeah. sort of, like, broad Exhibition, sense. Exhibition, yeah. Just helps paint it. And what I also think is really impressive is it feels like it's not beholden to one era. Like, in mm. mo- like primarily, it's beholden to the Universal Monsters era. 
Um, one way I think that's very clear is they go for a classic wolf man design. It's not like a wolf that happens to walk on its hind legs. It right. is a man with fur and fangs oh, and yeah. claws, right. which is always my preference. It's yeah. one of the reasons why I always defended the amazing Spider-Man's design of lizard where I'm like, I like when he has a face. Right. Like just like a snarly lizard man. Right. Um, you know, I again, the palette is the way it is. But also there are like bits and pieces of different eras of horror. True. Like, like um, and we're already in spoilers. There is a section of this that is in color and the color mm-hmm. grading there is so perfect where it's like, oh, I like that we haven't just turned into a modern Marvel movie. I like that this looks like it was shot in the 70s. Yeah. Where like the greens and browns are the primary colors and they're very deep and right. dark. Acoustic-y, like, warm. Almost, yeah. Yes. And the reds, the red of um, Elsa Bloodstone's jacket is like hard to look at. Yeah. Which is just such a specific 70s color. Right. Um, even that shot where, um, and like we'll talk, we'll quickly go through the beats of the plot later, but there's that shot that's in the trailer where um, the matriarch of the Bloodstone family has gotten pulled into the like werewolf cage and mm. it just cuts to her face. And I'm like, that is. That's almost like, yeah, that feels very 70s. Oh, yeah. And it's design. Even just the reveal that Ulysses Bloodstone has had himself turned into a crypt keeper. I'm like, what the fuck? This 90s kitsch just coming out of nowhere. Right? It's, well, I find it so hilarious that, um, but I just love how, like, that's what I would describe as camp. That whole, that like, this guy looks like a Coney Island, like, fortune teller um machine contraption yeah yes. yeah and that's like that feels very 90 like that feels like goosebumpsy that right. feels it like is. whoa crypt keeper right. and it's so astounding to me that it balances like like the direct like he michael did his homework oh yeah he, like for a first time director this is incredible mastery of juggling a lot of different tones and vibes and styles mm-hmm. and he never feels like he gets lost in it like this doesn't feel like there's a handful of Marvel movies where you feel like they brought the director in for like one or two things mm-hmm. and then let the second unit handle most of it. And it's like, no, no, no. This feels like he had control basically 90% of it. Yeah, I'd agree. Well, I, you know, I want to do it back to the first time that color is revealed in it because like you actually had to point out to me that we were seeing something in color. That's how well submerged I feel like I was um, mm-hmm. in this universe and how... Like we're we're such nerds talking about things like color grading and lighting, but like, yes, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot stress enough how beautiful it looks. That it was so fluid that like I did not notice that I was seeing something. It just felt like it belonged here. Yeah, I didn't notice that I was like seeing something in color, in a black and white film, and right. it's just so exciting, especially since like. In I mean, there's a lot of references to the Wizard of Oz in this film because it mm-hmm. plays with that black and white and color situation. But like, none of and the, the primary color is ruby, right? None of the cast here makes any indication that this like glowing thing is different. Like, right. it's just sort of normal that like it's <laughs> it is a glowing ruby and and they are all in black and white, which is like right. obviously people in a black and white film don't know that they're in black and white, but like. Still, like, they don't make any sort of, like, they're just like, oh, yeah, there it is. And it's not, right. like, it is, like, special in and of itself, but it's it's not, like, glowing crazy. Like, th- there's just, like, a normalcy to it, to its presence. Right. 
Um, well, I was gonna say the color grading discussion in general is something I really like because I think that's one thing Marvel has actually struggled with. Aside from like the Doctor Strange movies and like the science fiction ones, like, mm -hmm. you know, there's been a lot of talk about Marvel. There's always a complaint that their stuff is very concrete gray. Like mm. particularly, the one I always go back to is the airport fight scene in Civil War. For some reason they decided to make the sky a freaking overcast and it just underlines like, oh, this is kind of colorless for what's like this huge splash page moment. Right. And like, even though this isn't black and white, it feels so colorful. It feels so yeah. textured and lived. Right. Um, mm -hmm. One thing I think you were talking about is I really am utterly impressed with how good the world building in this is. Yeah, 100%. For something that takes place in one building. Over basically a night. Yeah, yeah, one evening. I, I feel like I understand the world and where all of these people come from. And yeah, yeah. I like, for, especially like, I feel like a lot of blockbusters feel like they have to throw a big glossary at us and really hold our hand through all the exposition. Oh, yeah. And other than the opening narration that just establishes here's where we monster are monster hunters, magic rock, guy owns magic rock, guy who owned magic rock dead, gotta find new person for magic rock. Right. Really, basically, like five bullet points. Right. And it just trusts us to understand that this is just a world that exists in the Marvel universe. Right. Exactly. Like, it's so. To the point where as their, like, hunt is about to begin and they start chanting and a freaking fire tuba shows up, which I believe I literally messaged you as we were watching it, fire tuba! Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah, there's a part of the ceremony, of course. Right, It would be duh. weird if the fire tuba guy took the night off. Yeah, hello. This is, like, like... That would be a problem. The biggest night of his year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how many times does he get to start a ceremonial hunt? Yeah, very rarely. Um, you know what stood out to me about this? I appreciate that there are like no big stars in this film. It right? it lets like the story just like be told. I think that is I I didn't think about that, but you're absolutely right. Um I think one problem the Marvel universe kind of runs into is as much as I like as much as, as great as they are with casting. Mhm. Mm like at times I feel like they're prone to like not stunt casting, but, like, they get caught up in the fan casting of, like, we want this big name. Yeah. Lest we forget the great Jim uh, Fantastic Four debacle of 22. Mm -hmm. Right, um, yeah. Whereas the biggest name in this is probably Gail Garcia Burnell as Jack Russell. And, mm -hmm. like, he's a pretty big, um, he's a pretty big Hispanic actor. He's been in a lot of great stuff, but he's not a household name by any means. Yeah, Absolutely. And it just kind of lets him inhabit the role in a way that, like, sometimes getting the, like, rising star names that right. we've had for a lot of recent projects um, has kind of shadowed. Yeah. Overshadowed, for lack of a better word. Right, right. No, that's something um, that I noticed right away, was that it's, in a story like this, it's so much easier to to pay attention, <laughs> actually, to yes. focus on what I'm being told. Um, because like no one here is sort of just like, oh, yeah, be overshadowing anything just by their presence alone. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really, I, for me, like, in a lot of ways, this is almost like a perfect, I don't know. It really, and the thing we kept coming back to is on top of like no big stars, just trust the world, trust right. embodiment. This almost feels more like what Marvel should be striving for with their Disney Plus content. Oh, yeah. Because it is, and I don't know if you've caught up with She-Hulk, but 
Mm-hmm. I really, really like... Well, and, like, we have said, we once She-Hulk is over, we're probably going to do... Because there'll be a break in the Disney Plus content from them. Right. We'll do our big, like, breakdown all the shows in one go. Of the Marvel series, yeah. And it's interesting because this is following the news that they've decided, hey, instead of doing a full series for Armor Wars, we're just going to do a movie. Mm. And so many of these feel... Like, so many of the Disney Plus shows, I'm like, could you not have just made this a movie? Could you not have, like, just trimmed the fat a little bit? Right. Could you not have moved some things around? Right. And I like that for this. They're like, you know what? We have one hour-long idea for a Wolfman movie. Let's just commit. Let's just make this tight, little, engaging story set in a world, set with the characters we want to tell. Get in, get out, bada-bing, have a great time. That, that is what I want. <laughs> like, honestly, yes. that's, that's sort of content that I would want for someone like a moon Knight or, or, or any of their, like on for like a, for a Wanda or like, I mean, this, this would have worked so well. For, well, you know, it's like, well, and we'll talk about this later, but when, when we get to talk about the series, but I mean, like, I want more of this, of this type of like, here's a day in the life. Yeah. Yes, I agree completely. Um, mm-hmm. And also, like, for me, we like, especially because, like, with the Multiverse Saga, there's been so much talk about, like, cameos and bringing characters in and doing this and that. I love that this is very much just focused on one character, and yet they also found a way, like, the one cameo that's in this is kind of perfect and works so organically, and it's kind of everything that's good about this com- compressed into one thing. Mm. So the trailers present this as if all of the hunters that are coming together are coming after the wolf man. Right. You know, they're coming after Jack Russell. But that's not what happens. It turns out none of them know he's a werewolf, specifically a werewolf at night. Right. <laughs> they think he's just another regular hunter. And the creature that they're supposed to be killing to prove their worth is freaking Man-Thing. Yeah, I did not see that coming, honestly. <laughs> yes. I think he's kind of shown in one of the trailers super duper briefly. And on one hand, I kind of wish they didn't show anything so there was no hint that he was coming. Right. But on the other hand, it's kind of like the Hulk in Thor Ragnarok thing. Where oh, it's like, yeah. well, if you're going to have a huge character, you have to, like, you got to, if you want, because it'll get more people to watch it. Right, exactly. And the twist is that Jack Russell is actually basically sneaking in here to rescue his friend. Mr. Man-Thing, right. who has somehow managed to get himself caught for, like, the 12th time? It sounds like oh, this man thing. Yeah. Oh, Man-Thing, you large plant man. Right. <laughs> um, and I love it because it's a cameo that makes sense in the context of the story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from any of the characters. It doesn't feel like a distraction. Right. Yeah, absolutely. As, um, and also, as we like, when we talked about, like, the balancing of tones and themes... I think it works great because universal monster stories, especially the ones in the 40s, were about, like, outsiders. They were about, right. like, the sort of ostracized of society. They had, like, LGBTQ undertones. Right, right. And the relationship between Jack and Man-Thing really underlines this because it is these two people who, like, do not fit in. Are monsters? Who, yeah. Yes, are literally monsters <laughs> who have come together to make a little confederacy of two where they like, right. look out for each other and rescue each yeah, other. Yeah, they just have each other's need. back, yeah. <laughs> and then that leads into, they do manage to pull that off. Like, Man-Thing is freed. Right. Unfortunately, uh, 
everyone realizes, wait a minute, something's up with this guy. He's reacting weird to the bloodstone. He must be a monster too. And that leads us into the final little section, which I wanted to talk to you about. How do you feel about the big action scene in this um, special? I want to say that, like, um, I really enjoy all of the action that this film does. Like, those were the times where I felt reminded that I was watching a Marvel thing. Um, yes. <laughs> because I feel like otherwise I genuinely sort of forgot that I was watching like a Marvel Studios thing until these fight sequences come up and they, they feel very Marvel in, in choreography and yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I was mm-hmm. going to nitpick one thing, I'd say, I wish I could, I wish there was a middle ground between the marvel style of action and like more forties aesthetic. Like, oh, I see. This, that's where the 40s vibe kind of gets toned down a little bit in favor of more right. traditional action. Right. Save for sort of the money shot where it's just kind of like a single camera shot of a wolf man murdering a room full of people where it's like, right. yeah, that feels, well, the violence, no, but the 40s, like simple camera moves, right. like big open space, have at it. Right. Very much fills that. Um, but at the same time, again, it works like shooting in an, a big action scene like this in a 40s style would have been boring. Right. And I do think there's something to like a lot of these young or up and coming directors, like signing on to do Marvel projects early in their careers. Cause it's like, Oh, I get to play with all the toys. Yay. Right. Yeah. I want to use all the nicest cameras. <laughs> um, no, but like for this action scene, I feel like I'm reminded of how much, the environment itself, the house itself, that this like manor is like feels like a character. It yes. is a it is it is very much a a part of um, it, it's like a weird like, what what's it called at a carnival? Why am I losing the word like a not a house of mirrors, house. but like a fun haunted house. house, a haunted house, a fun, yeah, house? fun house. Yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. Um, around every corner As he's, like, is something that can the kill you. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's, like, man things still lurking around. Especially because we go from, like, the maze where it's, like, every corner someone could jump out and, like, stab you with an axe they've picked up. Right. To this, like, little, like, center room with the cage where he, Wolfman is, like, jumping from chandeliers. There are, like, weapons all around. There's still a Crypt Keeper corpse sort right. of, like, moving around in the background. Right. Um, like, and then we, and it's, it's not just gory. It's a surprisingly violent thing, too. It really is, yeah. Like, Which we I have a moment... They can get away with. Like, I think this is the only type of environment that they do... That they are able to get away with, like, the gore. Right. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this is a haunted house. This is, this is like a horror attraction. Right. Um, even beyond the blood, which... I do wish they did a little more practical blood, because sometimes it was very clear it was digital blood, and I'm like, this kind of loses the mm. magic a little... That's literally one of my only major nitpicks. Like, there's a shot where Elsa Bloodstone, who's kind of like the leading lady of this right. little horror attraction, she gets grabbed by one of the other hunters, and her head just gets smashed into a brick wall oh my over god. and over and over again. And I'm just like, oh my god! Yeah, it's and extremely that's like the violent. first bit of action we have. Right. Yeah, like they, yeah, they do sort of open with this like direct head drama. Like it's abrasive. To see a like, man no doing that to, like, shocking. a woman. Yeah, and they, they just, like, show this happening. Yeah, and I think that's why this, like, this project gets some, like, power from mixing 
like eras and aesthetics and tones because you wouldn't have seen that in a 40s horror movie no (laughs) but you would see that in like freaking silence of the lambs right and it's like oh oh okay the 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 flavors are mashing up here in a scary unnerving way yeah (laughs) this is genuinely actually scary like oh yeah it's scary both in terms of like slow tension it's scary exciting violence yeah yeah even just that shot which we mentioned where it's like there's a little hallway of guards uh, werewolf, who's specifically werewolves at night, jumps out right. and like starts like just slaughtering them. And as the camera zooms in, it gets keeps it keeps getting covered in more and more blood. Yeah, so unnerving <laughs> about acknowledging the camera in the room. Right. Um. Again, I, I, I'm not sure if you caught up with She Hulk yet, but there was a bit in the most recent episode, like a very lengthy section where she's almost exclusively talking to the camera. Mm-hmm. That is genuinely one of the most like creepy unnerving things I've seen in a long time. Really? I think you'll know it when you see it. Yeah. And it creepy in a good way that mm. underlines like, Oh, it is upsetting when they acknowledge the audience. Yeah. Like it is creepy when you think we're vo- like voyeurs in this. Right. Um, especially in horror, because again, there's like a luridness to horror. There's like a sort of peeping Tom element to horror. As you noted, right. There are chunks of this that get very erotic as well. It was super meat cute. Um, yes. yeah, the, but like XXX, yeah, it was, it was weirdly erotic. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, I feel like, again, that's a part of horror. There's like, right. Like there's sort of like a, like a luridness in being attracted to the wolf person or the fish man or the plant guy in this case. Um, I think at one point you're like, man, I hope Jack and Russell kiss. And I'm like, well, obviously he's saving himself for his man thing. Friend. Yeah, obviously. Plant man who like found him like passed out as a regular person built him a tent in a little campsite oh yeah no that's man thing is number one always <laughs> um what else do you want to talk about for this i don't know that's that's really most of what i had we like it <laughs> yes i i like this is one of those things that's frustrating to talk about on a podcast just because right it's like you're just kind of like you just gotta watch it to understand it's like, oh yeah it rocks it's great there was yeah. a period where we usually, like, when we do digital watch parties, like, when we can't hang out in person, oh, we're yeah. usually, like, messaging back and forth with our little comments or, like, stuff we like. Yeah, but, yeah, there and were big stretches of time where we were not talking at all. <laughs> and at some point I just went, man, this is really fucking cool. Yeah, we, this is good. <laughs> we're enjoying yeah, this. Yeah, just to underline, like, no, no, this is great. I'm having a great time with right. this. Right, yeah. And I guess for me it's, like, one... Like, like I said, for me, it captures all the stuff I like about Marvel. I, I, I like the action. I like how characters play off each other. I like, I love the, like, the dialogue. I love the designs. Um, I love that it can bend genre in weird, interesting ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, fi- again, it fixes a lot. Like, it commits to a tone more than a lot of mar- recent Marvel projects. There's not as much mm. of, like, the marvel like pitter patter or like the quote-unquote marvel tropes it has like by abandoning most of its cgi it's it has so much more texture and like Mm -hmm. like weight to everything how they their photos they made a man thing puppet and granted there are big chunks where he's cgi because it's like well that would have been really hard to work yeah but like the shots where he's clearly a puppet are magnificent right i love you know like a lot of marvel stuff like like more recent Marvel stuff, it has a banger soundtrack. Like the music is. Oh great. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that it has 
much like most Marvel things, it has damn near perfect casting, but at the same time, it's more right. understated casting. It is. It kind of perfectly balances the line of like what Marvel is and what Marvel has the potential to be to be even better. I would agree. Yeah, like it. No, it. And I I love how um, subtle its humor is. Like it it sort of yes. sprinkles in like its jokes with just one like clean zinger like there's one zinger in there and like it's just enough yeah like yeah it, it finds a tonal balance that a lot of marvel stuff struggles to find in right that's really delightful where yeah even the humor it just feels like sort of understated right and like in a nice horror sense right yeah it's refreshing to see marvel like commit to like to its rules that it that it establishes and it's open um yes Honestly, one of my favorite jokes is just this weird, like, it is a film geek joke. Because when we first see Mr. Werewolf, who does his work at, at night, night, yeah, he, yes, he's doing werewolf stuff at night. At night. Um, <laughs> they're hunting a bunch of, they're hunting a man thing at, at night. At night, um, yeah. Spongebob joke, oh, okay. boy, we are, I, I, like, I am, I am on a theater schedule, kids. I am loopy as all hell. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, Miss... Jack, I'm not doing the bit again. He, the first time we see him, he has this like really deep eyeshadow, which is like a fun nod right? to like, old school <laughs> horror films. Like, yeah, it's like it's like the cat. He showed like, up Dr. like Calig- that. Yes, it's like Doctor Caligari, where like all these characters had these sunken eyes, mm-hmm. or like it was very much a like silent film era thing. But then someone acknowledges it, and he's like, right? "I love your like battle makeup." Your makeup. And I'm like, ah, that's a fun, <laughs> that's a fun little like theater kid show. Right. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but we, yeah, I had an absolute delight with this. I really hope Marvel. I want to see them do a horror. I, well, I want to see them do a Halloween special every year. Right. Yeah, absolutely. This has just um, become that thing that I like any person who does not ask. I'm like, have you seen this? Like, I need everybody to yes. see this. I need this is something I'm telling my friends and family about. <laughs> I need like, people to I see this the, thing. Yes. I love the idea of Marvel special presentations serving right. as sort of their like black label where it's like, here are the prestige yeah. projects. Here are like the fun. Yeah. Like, Here's we're the gonna, good stuff. Yeah, we're going to, like, double the budget for a Disney Plus show. We're going to go all out. We're going to make something that's cool and slick and prestigious. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see what they do with this branding next. Me too. Yeah. I hope I hope they somehow find a way to reel it out for, like, every major seasonal thing. Oh, absolutely. You know? Like. Yeah. Yeah. But until the moon is full again. Oh, wait. Oh, thank God. It's daytime. Ew. Oh, Sydney. Hey, Sid, what? Were we on recording that whole time? Stop making those gross sounds. That was gross. I'm Carter. <laughs> and I'm Sydney. And apparently my co-host doesn't want to commit to the bit. <laughs> that, that was my commitment, okay? It's gross. I'm a method actor. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. The Disney Desk is written, produced, and edited by Sydney Nicole Barkley and Carter Glace. Please follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk or send us an email at podcastdisneydesk at gmail.com. Want to support the magic? Use the link in the show notes to make a donation to the Disney Desk podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. <laughs>